Welcome to Restoration Church. At Restoration Church, we focus on reaching the lost, reviving their lives with the gift of salvation through Jesus Christ, and restoring hearts, minds, and relationships through the power of the gospel. We are a church equipping and empowering the body of Christ to reach their full potential in Christ. We are led by lead pastor Rex and Jennifer Hare. This morning, Pastor Rex continues his sermon series, Sons Not Servants, with a message entitled, Shoes of Sonship. Finish the third part of the series called Sons Not Servants. And today, I want to talk to us about the shoes of sonship. The shoes of sonship. We're going to be talking about several scriptures today. And I promise you, I'm going to try to move on through these quickly. As the Lord leads. The shoes of sonship. Remember we talked about the first one. How many of you remember what the first one was? The robe of righteousness. What does the robe of righteousness mean? The first gift that the father gave his son was the robe of righteousness. That was Jesus gave us on the cross. Amen. He gave us the robe of righteousness. That was the first gift. The second gift was the ring of authority. The ring of authority has to do with the authority that we have in Christ Jesus. The Bible says that he's given us power to tread over serpents and scorpions. You know what scripture says? That he's given the power to tread over serpents and scorpions. So he's given you authority. So remember when the son, the prodigal son come home, he says, go get a robe and put it on him and go get a ring and put it on his finger. That ring meant that he had the authority to call the shots at that, that farm, that uh, place where he was. In other words, he wasn't just a servant anymore. He wasn't just a prodigal son, but he had authority. So that ring meant something. And we talked about the significance of rings. I know y'all remember first Sunday when we talked about the stake and I had the stake in the corner up there. Nobody, everybody's going to always remember that because I made y'all hungry for about 45 minutes that day. Everybody was ready to go to the steakhouse or cracker barrel or whatever. So remember we talked about that. But today I want to talk about the shoes of sonship. How many of us wear shoes? Amen. We all wear shoes. How many of us like shoes? How many of us take your shoes off when you get home? First thing I do when I get home and I get to the porch of the house, I'm going to take my shoes off because I've worn shoes walking around on concrete all day, most time work shoes. So how many of us like to take your shoes off? Well, we're not going to actually take your shoes off today because we might have to get some foot spray for some of us. But we're going to talk about the significance of our shoes and taking your shoes off. We're going to go to Ruth chapter 4, verse 7 this morning. How many of you remember the story of Ruth and Boaz? How many of you remember that story? We're going to talk about a, a love story, and we're going to talk about the significance of taking your shoes off. The Bible, the Bible talks about shoes that represent rights. In the Old Testament, if you wore your shoes, your shoes represented rights. It represented that you had authority. It represented rights. Uh, in Ruth chapter 4, verse 7, this guy, how many of you know this guy named Boaz? Anyone remember this guy named Boaz? He was a handsome looking guy, and Ruth saw him, and he was a leader. And in other words, Ruth and Boaz, long story short, remember Ruth and Boaz fell in love, and he was looking at her going, hey, you know, he liked her, he thought she was good looking and all that. And then, but there was somebody standing in the way from Boaz marrying Ruth. He was called the near kinsman, if you go back and read that. New kinsman. How many of you know what the near kinsman represented? It represented Jesus. The near kinsman in the Old Testament was representative of Jesus. So Jesus has what? We know that all authority, Jesus said, 
All authority under heaven has been given to me by the Father. So we need to understand today that Jesus gives us authority. We're going to talk about those shoes this morning. So long story short, Boaz goes to the near kinsman and he makes it okay and says, are you going to marry Ruth? And he says, no, we're not, but you can. So he has to make it okay. But the Bible talks about, let's read here in Ruth. It says, now early in the times of Israel, the redemption and transfer of property become final. One party took off his sandal and gave it to the other. This was a manner or method of legalizing transactions in Israel. Now, Boaz desired Ruth to be his wife, and he had to get permission from a person called the near kinsman. Man threw off his shoe and gave it to his neighbor, and this was the manner of attestation in Israel. I like that word. So this was a matter of surrendering your authority to the other. Now, I don't know nobody taking their shoes off today. I know a lot of you ladies take your shoes off, by the way, when you get in here. Because, uh, some of you have even left your shoes here at times before. Mostly kids. But uh, uh, we're going to talk about that for a moment, that they took their shoes off. And I'm going to go to several illustrations about the reason in the Old Testament they took their shoes. And even in biblical times, when the Bible's be written in New Testament times, that of the reason they took their shoes off. In Deuteronomy chapter 5, taking off your shoes, chapter 25, Deuteronomy chapter 25, taking off your shoes meant relinquishing your rights. It relinquishing your rights. They would even change the name of a person when they relinquished their rights. Think about that for a moment. How many of us know that names meant something in the Bible? How many of us know people that have biblical we have several biblical names here. Joanna. We have, uh, who else? Samuel. We have Elijah. We have several names of our children and family members here that have biblical names. And all of those names meant something. So today we want to talk about the significance of names and shoes. So let's go to the story of Moses having a conversation with God. Let's go with Exodus chapter 3, verses 4 through 6. And when Jehovah saw that he turned aside to see, God called him out of the midst of the bush and said to Moses, Moses, and he said, here am I. He said, draw not nigh hither, put off the shoes from thy feet, for the place where the, whereon there thou standest is holy ground. In verse 6, moreover he said, I am God, I am the God of, the, of thy father, the, the God of Abraham, the God of Jacob, the God of God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, and Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look upon the face of God. So what did Moses do when he drew him into the very bush? God told him to do what? Take his shoes off. Now let's stop right here for a moment. The significance of Moses taking off his shoe as he approached the burning bush was something that he would have been taught. How many of us take your shoes off when you go in somebody's house? We still do it today. A lot of people will come visit us and they'll say, do you need me to take my shoes off? You know, when my, when my mom's growing up, when we were growing up, my mom, if you come in her house with shoes on, you, you probably going to get a whooping. That was just me. We were kids. They were eight of us. So my mom did a lot of house cleaning, but she wanted you to take your shoes off. I remember Jean coming in from school and she said, hey, shoes off at the door, kids. Shoes, shoes off at the door. But Moses is approaching God and he's seeing a bush He's gone to the backside of desert. He's gone to the mountain of God, and he sees a bush burning, and he takes his shoes off, as, as, and he sees something that intrigues Moses about this bush is the bush is burning, yet it's not consumed. It's not burned up. 
And then he hears God speak from the, from the bush and he tells him, Moses, you can come closer, but you're going to have to take off your shoes. Now we need to understand this for a moment. We will never have what God wants us to have and walk in the authority of God. Remember with the righteousness, the robe of righteousness, the ring of authority, and the shoes of sonship. What does the shoes represent? Moses took his shoes off because he knew he was in the presence of God. God instructed, instructed him, you can come closer. You can even remember, how many remember the story that God allowed Moses to see his backside? Remember that? God allowed Moses to see God, to see him himself. But the Bible said when he got close, God told him to take the shoes off. Okay, I want you to take your shoes off. So the significance was that Moses didn't have authority when he was close to God. He was taking his shoes off and he was relinquishing his authority to God. Let's go even further. Let's go to Joshua chapter 5 and verses 13 through 15. Joshua chapter 5, verses 13 through 15. It said, And it came to pass when Joshua was, was by Jericho that he lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, there stood a man over against him with his sword drawn in his hand, and Joshua went unto him and said unto him, Art thou for us or for our adversaries? And he said, Nay, but as the prince of the host of Jehovah, I am now come, and Jehovah and Joshua fell on his face and did worship the Lord. Now think about this for a minute. And said unto him, What saith unto my servant, his servant? And the prince of Jehovah's host said unto Joshua. Think about this for a moment, y'all. Think about this. Joshua was out standing before Jericho. How many of you heard what I preached last week? I talked about your Jericho. Talking to your Jerichos. Now go with me for a moment. Joshua is standing out before Jericho, and they know that God, he knows that God has given them Jericho, but he don't know how they're going to take it. And all of a sudden, he sees a man standing with a sword. I'm going to help somebody today. He sees a man or a warrior standing with a sword, standing right up against him. All of a sudden, this guy is right up on him. Wouldn't that startle you if somebody's standing against you with a sword and he's a warrior? Guess who Joshua just saw? I'm going to help you out. Many people have said he's seen the angel of the Lord. But in the Old Testament, you know what they've seen who represented the angel of the Lord, who was representative of the angel of the Lord in the Old Testament? It was Jesus Christ himself. Because we need to understand today, Jesus just didn't come into the place when he was birthed on this earth by Mary. Jesus was, was seen in the Old Testament time. The angel of the Lord, the representative of Jesus Christ himself. So he stood there and Joshua was just asking, hey, Okay, there's a guy with a sword drew, drew with a sword drawn standing next to me. I need to ask him if he's for us, against us. And then God and Jesus says, neither. I'm neither for you against you. Now you've got to understand something today. This is what we need to understand. If you don't get anything else I preach today, church, hear this part right here. God is not for us. God is for us. He's not against us. Hear me now. God is for us. He's not against us. Somebody, some of us need to understand that. God, I'll say that one more time, God is for us, he's not against you. But until you surrender your, your authority to him, notice Joshua had to do something. He had to take his shoes off again. Why did he take his shoes off? Because he recognized who he was talking to. He recognized the authority that he had. Now, we're going to talk about taking our shoes off for a moment. But Joshua took his shoes off here because the, 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 the Lord was talking to him. Now, listen. And what the Lord was saying to Joshua was simple right here. I didn't come here to take sides. I come here to take over. Yes. 
I didn't come here to stand on the side of the Palestinians or the side of the Israelites. What I come here to do is I'm coming to take over. And we need to understand that in our lives, church. We will never walk in the authority and walk with the shoes of sonship until we take them off. You say, well, pastor, what are you talking about? Until you lay down every part of your life and learn to take your shoes off and bask in the presence of God and go to him and let him be your source, and you're not the resource, you're, you go to him as your source, we don't walk in that authority. We'll never walk in that authority. Now, hear what I'm saying today. Joshua saw a warrior drawn with a sword, and he says, uh, neither. I've come to take over. So what was he telling Joshua? Joshua, you're going to have to join up with me. You're going to have to listen to me. And then he later gives Joshua instructions on how to take Jericho. This is what you're going to have to do. Now, let's go back to this right here. I'm going to slow down for a moment back. Our victory as Christians is lined in parallel with obedience. I'll say that again. For us to walk in victory as Christians, we have to walk in obedience. Why does scripture say it's better, it's, it's better to not only be hearers of the word, but to be doers also? How many of us know people that know about God, but they don't know God? There's a lot of people out there. They know about God. They know about Jesus. You know, that's that little baby in the manger that we celebrate once a year. I mean, we get all the tingly feet and we sing, oh, oh, come let us adore him, but they don't pay any attention to him the rest, rest of the year. They come on Easter and Christmas, and I'm not being critical here today. I'm just saying God died for those people too that recognize who God is and who recognize the person of God, but they don't know who he is. Now, we've been given, the Apostle Paul said it like this. He said this in the epistles. He said, we've been married to the ministry of reconciliation. So if I'm married to someone, that means I'm joined together. Jennifer and I have been married over 28 years. We've been joined together over 28 years. We understand each other. We reconcile. We have differences. I know y'all think we don't ever fuss, but we do. And 98% of the time, I'm wrong. Probably 99, right? Yeah, she said 99. So the point I'm trying to make, we're married to the ministry of reconciliation, and I'm going somewhere with this. Joshua would never get his Jericho, he would never conquer his Jericho unless he obeyed God. There's a place that we're coming to in the church today when everything you've ever believed in is going to be attacked. I'm going to say that again. We're coming to a place in America that everything we've ever preached and taught our kids and believed in is going to be attacked. And we're going to have to walk in obedience. And sometimes, you know, how many of us know that Jesus offended me? Well, Pastor, I just don't want to offend nobody. I, I, don't, want to, I don't want to make nobody mad. Well, guess what? Jesus made people mad and they put him on the cross. The ones that that threw the palm branches in front of him and, and, and shouted Hosanna with some of the same ones that was yelling crucify him. Come on. So the gospel itself offends people, church. But until we get to the place where we walk in obedience, see, Joshua and the children of Israel will never saw, will have never saw the walls of Jericho fall if they didn't walk in obedience. That's the reason the warrior said, neither. Why was he saying? Now we know that the angel of the Lord was for Joshua and the children of Israel. That's his people, right? 
We know back to Abraham, I'm going to bless those that bless you and I'm going to curse those that curse you. You remember that promise that he made to Abraham? And the Bible says that Abraham believed God. Now hear me right here, church. Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him as righteousness. Was Abraham a righteous man? How many of you remember Abraham walking in disobedience? Did he not? Did Abraham not have a baby by his handmaid when God told him he's going to have a, have a child, a son, by his wife? But then God, Bible says, God, Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him as righteousness. Now that's not a trick statement right there. What happened when Abraham believed God was God transferred righteousness to Abraham. Remember, Jesus hadn't come on the scene yet as the person of Jesus. He hadn't transferred our sins from those that had to be covered by the priest until they were covered by the blood of the Lamb at the cross. So Abraham it was accounted to him as righteousness. Now hear me today, church. The Bible tells us in the New Testament that he's given us authority to trample over serpents and scorpions, which are representative of demons. Amen? Got one amen over here, two, one, two, amen. But he said that's authority, right? You have the authority. How many of us want to walk on a serpent or a scorpion without your shoes on? Anybody ever seen a scorpion? Brooklyn in our house, every once in a while, they come out of that pine straw and they every one every once in a while, Regina, they get in the house. You know what's gonna have to happen that day? We're gonna have to call Mr. Buds and he's gonna have to come spray, right? And I'm gonna have to go to the store and go to Lowe's and Home Depot and get some spray and spray because she's seen that this old. Right? But how many of us would, could step on that scorpion and kill it if you had your shoes on? Come on. You got a good soul shoe on, you can step on that scorpion. Now, I know a lot of y'all are not going to get close to it, but if you had to step on one, I'm helping you like that. I'm creeping you out, but I'm helping you out a little bit. But you're going to crunch him and kill him, right? But how many of us want to step on something when you don't have your shoes on? Now, listen to me, church. How many of us want to fight devils when we don't have our spiritual shoes on? How many of us are going to get victory over Satan when we don't have our shoes on? Can I tell you, if you don't take your shoes off when you're in the presence of God, you'll never be able to put your shoes on to conquer devils. Come on. Come on, hear me in that church. Hear what I'm saying. Hear what my spirit is saying today. You have the authority to stand against the wiles of Satan as long as you've got your shoes on. Amen. That's the reason it said in Ephesians chapter 6, the shoes of salvation and sonship. He talks about the shoes. The shoes uh, uh, shotted with the preparation of the gospel of peace. What was he talking about? What is our peace today? It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. It resides in the gospel of Jesus Christ. So here he's talking about, he says, I'm here before you or against you. What Joshua, what the angel of the Lord, the Lord was saying to Joshua, Jesus, the person of Jesus right here is saying to Joshua, okay, I'm on your side, but you're going to have to do it alone. This is, then he gives him instructions. Then he says, this is what I want you to do. This is how Jericho is going to fall down. Now, did the children of Israel have to raise a sword for the walls of Jericho to fall? How many of ever read the story? They never raised a sword to the walls fell, right? He says, once the walls fall, I don't want not, not one person living, not one animal. Remember that? You know what he's talking I want everything killed in there. I want all the Wealth and the riches brought back into there. I want them all killed. And you say, well, that's pretty cruel, Pastor. You know why he didn't want to kill? Because he didn't want nothing that they worship or any of their lifestyle to fall back into the children of Israel. Because he knew what? He knows that we as people are prone to make mistakes and go back. Come on. 
So a lot of times we don't understand that there's a lot of things that God frees us from when the walls of Jericho in our life bring down. And he goes in there and says, I want you to destroy all of it. I want you to get it all out of your house. Why does he tell us he wants us to get it all out of our house? Because he don't want us to get enslaved to that again. He don't want that to happen. So he's talking to him. He says, put your shoes on. Put your shoes back on. Now in the New Testament, let's talk about putting our shoes back on. We know in the presence of God, in Exodus and in Joshua, he was saying, take your shoes off. To Boaz, take your shoes off. And then in Ephesians, go to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. It says it like this. For by grace you have been saved through faith, that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. How many heard that one quoted before? For by grace have you been saved, that not of yourself, but it is the gift of God. Listen, everything we have, it's because God's given it to us. I don't own a thing. You know what I am? I don't own. I, I'm the pastor of this church, but I don't have authority here. I have to operate under number one, my overseer's authority, my overseer's authority and number two, the authority, my further personal foremost, the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm just a steward of it. I don't own it. I don't own anything here, but you know what I've been entrusted the Bible says those whom love, he loves, he chastens. Has there been times in my life that God's had corrected? Yeah, there's been times in my life this week that God's corrected me. But there are those he chastens, he loves. Listen, church, correction's a good thing. Repentance is a good thing. We treat repentance like it's the, like it's the bluebonnet plague or something. We treat it like, what, you know, repent. I'm supposed to repent? Yeah, I repent every day. I ask God to forgive me every day. Because I'm going to walk in obedience and I don't want things to attach themselves to me. I don't want things, those things to attach themselves to my life. And he said, it's, it's not of yourself. And then he says that no man can boast, but this is the gift of God. Let's go read uh, Ephesians 2 and 9. I think I have it here. 2 and 9. It says, not by works so that no man can boast. And verse 10 says, for we are God's handiwork. Verse 10. Created in Christ Jesus to do the good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Everybody, under the sound of my voice, God made you the way he made you for a reason. For a reason. God prepared in advance. He knew what Carrie would look like. He knew what Jason would look like. He, would know, he knew what Rex would look like. He knew what my talents and my abilities was. He knew my shortcomings. Because what? He, he created me to accomplish certain things. I'm going to help somebody here today. We need to quit trying to be like everybody else and be who God's called us to be. I don't want Restoration Church to look like Oasis or Kathy Junction or New Harvest or Hepzibah or any of these other churches. I want Restoration to look like what God is calling us to look like. Which is a hospital for the hurting, not a museum, museum for dying saints. Come on. If you go to a museum, museum, there's dead things there. But if you go to a hospital, there's a place of healing. You go to the hospital to get some help and to get some help and to get some healing through medication, right? Well, we serve the great physician today, church. We come to the hospital where people are going to come to the hospital where they can find hope and healing. We were created to help the world. So the hope of the world is still the church. The local church that has imperfect people in it. Come on. All of us imperfect. The hope of the world is Restoration Church. 
The hope to lay you and never have is Resurrection Church. Thank God that there's more churches there that's helping people do it. It's not a war. We're not in a competition. There's plenty of lost people out there. So the hope of the world is us. It's the local church. Now, let's go back to the story of the prodigal. I'm almost done. Luke chapter 15. I just remember what happened when the son come home. Let me just remember what happened. Was the older son excited to see his little brother that come back home? Now you would think if you don't even know if your brother's alive and he's been gone and you know he's out partying and drugging and doing whatever and you see him come back home you'd be excited. But what was he? Was he a little bit jealous? Was he a little bit angry? He was. Let's read the story. He says, now the elder son was in the field, and as he came, drew nigh to the house and heard music and dancing. That means there was a party going on. He called to him one of the servants and inquired what, the, inquired what these things might be. And he said to him, thy brother is come, and thy father hath killed the fatted calf because he hath received him, received him safe and sound. But he was angry and would not go in. And his father came out and entreated him or talked to him. And he answered and said to the father, Lo, these many years I serve thee and have never transgressed the commandment of mine, of thine. And yet you never gave us me a kid or goat that I might make merry with my friends. But when that when this thy son came, who hath devoured thy living with harlots, thou killest the fattest calf. And he said to him, Son, thou art ever with me, and all, of my, all that is mine is thine. But it was meet to make merry and be glad, for thy brother was dead and is alive again and was lost and is now found. So go with me for a moment. The son begins to point out things to the father, the eldest son. He took all that you give him and went and wasted it on prostitutes and party and lifestyle. Now he's come home broken. That's a lie. Because you go back in Bible days, the first son received what? <clears throat> Double. Because scripture says that he divided among the two sons. One stayed there and worked, and one left and went into a, a good godly lifestyle. So he was given double. Then he says, you've never given me a goat or a barbecue, basically. You've never given me this so I can have a party with my friends. And his father says, you got everything I've ever had. You've always had it. Now listen, the Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So what's going on here? We've got a young man that's the older brother that should be rejoicing with his father that his little brother's come home safe and sound and his life is being restored yet he's jealous and angry and mad because he's got a pharisaical spirit. Come on. A lot of times us as church people, we can't help people because we're too busy hating on them. Too busy hating on people. Well, they don't look like I look. Well, I got news for you. They're not going to look like you look. They may come in here and they may be smelly. They may come in here and they may have had it turned up all night at the club, Miss Marianne. But I'd rather be in here on church on Sunday morning and reek of alcohol and marijuana or just to five lines of cocaine and be in here and find Jesus and have a loving body of believers that cares about them than hungover without any hope. 
And I'm telling you what's happened to the church over the years. We've been too busy looking down our nose at people that don't look like we look and act like, oh, they got tattoos. Or, oh, man, or they got earrings in places they shouldn't have them and all that kind of stuff. And I don't believe in all that. And all the time, these people are lost and dying and going to hell and getting farther and further in sin. And we're sitting here with our self-righteous spirits and we might be going to hell with them. Did I say that? Oh, yeah, I said it. Because you know what God is doing to people? I thought about the guy that was the, the one of the lead members of the band Corn, and he found Jesus. Let me say something real quick. He don't look like your stereotypical Christian. Anybody ever read the story? I can't remember the guy's name. But I saw the story. Actually, listen to some of his testimony the other day. He's all tattooed up. He's got the dreads. He's got that. Tattoos all over the earrings everywhere. But you know what happened? Somebody that really loved Jesus showed him Jesus. And he found the real Jesus. And now he's going around sharing his testimony. And he was a devil worshiping heathen for a lot of years. He said, I've done enough drugs in my lifetime. I should have been dead many times over. Trying to find that high. But I found it in Christ Jesus. Because somebody shared the truth. And I'm just telling you, in these last days, God is going to give Restoration Church a harvest of people that don't look very churchy. But you know what? I'm tired of the stench of churchy people who think they're better than everybody else. And think that church ought to look a certain way. Now, don't, don't y'all go back and tell Pastor Rick said he was tired of us and he didn't want me around and all that. Don't y'all go tell that because that's not true. Hear what I'm saying. Hear what I'm saying today, church. We've got to get off our seat of self-righteousness and under a lot of people where they are and allow the gospel of Jesus Christ that don't need a prop or help or a parallel. It means us to tell people the gospel of Jesus Christ and above all that, to live in front of them. Remember at Tannehill trade days yesterday, and we walked through, and there's these guys in this drug rehab selling T-shirts. And I love to stop and talk to these guys and hear their stories. You know why? Because they're sitting there spending their Saturdays trying to sell a few T-shirts to talk to people. And how many people have these young men led to the Lord and these people found hope through the testimony of these young men that used to be messed up, but God has given them freedom? So what I'm trying to say today, church, is this. The shoes of sonship can only be worn with a spirit of humility. And the righteousness of Jesus Christ that he paid for on the cross. Now think about this. The very person that was the lowest of all lows was the one that was got to see Jesus first. Who might remember the name? Her name was Mary Magdalene. And she was a prostitute. The Bible said she had wasted her life on men. Come on, I'm just telling the truth. But yet God allowed her to see the risen Savior first. And she was at the cross when he gave up his last breath. Why? Because I feel like that God was trying to show the church a picture of what he looks at in people. He looks at us broken and unknown. Because you know, I didn't go out and party and drink and get hooked on drugs. But I could have very well been there. And I didn't go and live in adulterous lifestyles, but I could have very well been there. But you know what? I was just as lost as that person who did that. And I needed Jesus just like they need Jesus. In church, they're not going to find Jesus if we walk around judgmental. If we walk, down, walk around and we look down our nose at people all the time. You know, I remember when people used to go to church just to see what the other person wore to church. 
I know churches that still do that. You got to look a certain way. You got to have a certain amount on your bank account to come to church there. I'm thankful that he called us to a place of restoration. Yeah. And a place of restoration don't look like what other people think it'll look like. They may not smell like or think alike, but we think they should think alike. Think about that for a moment. He's called us to a place of restoration. He's called us to a place. Now listen. You say, well, pastor, is everybody that comes in here going to be strung out or an alcoholic or living an adulterous lifestyle or whatever? Like, there's some people that's going to come in here and they got a lot of band-aids on their mouth and they cover it all the way. Yeah. They're walking with strongholds and addictions in their lives. So you, you work around and you walk around people every day that's lost and broken and hurting. And they don't look like the stereotypical sinner or the broken person. I didn't look like that. I looked like a normal 18-year-old kid, but I was bound and broken and messed up and depressed. I didn't look like some of my buddies that were strung out. And I was lost. And a lot of times we forget about the big picture. For God so loved the world that he gave us only without the sin. That if he gave us all that said, that whosoever believed in him would not perish, but have an everlasting life. Abraham believed God and was accounted for righteousness. That person could be laying in the remainders, remainders of their hangover this morning, and they can believe in Jesus and their righteousness. They can say a prayer and ask God to forgive them, and they're righteous as we are. Whosoever believeth in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. So, what happens when they accept the Lord? They need a place to be disciple, church. They need a place that they can come to and they can confess their sins. Because Colossians says that we need to confess our sins one to another so we can find healing and help. You know what scripture says? So, when we learn to confess our sins, that's the reason I believe in small groups. That's the reason I believe in sitting by a campfire, having a cup of coffee, or playing cornhole. Playing on basketball or tournament or playing golf or shooting guns or whatever you're doing in a small group. You know why? Because when life happens, situations happen and people begin to talk about their life and they find healing. Now, who named me to the Lord? Jason was an old Pentecostal preacher. Gone to be with the Lord, died about a year ago. Went on to be with Jesus about a year ago. His name was James Irving. He saw something in me. He told me one day after service, he said, Rex, mom and daddy are good people. But their salvation is not going to get you into heaven. You're going to have to believe it for yourself. But you also need to begin to see yourself the way God sees you. Until you begin to see yourself the way God sees you through the blood of Jesus Christ, he sees me as righteous and holy and accepted you. I think this song, I'm trying to remember the same name of the song. Uh, it's on DJC all the time. You see me as holy, you see me as good. Sing it. You are worthy, 
everything about it. David said about this. Make my bed in the pit with that boy. When he just had an affair with that sheep, I still love David. When he was standing, staring at a giant, he's going to tell him he's going to take him to God was there. When Saul was trying to kill him, he was hiding in caves. God was still doesn't matter where we're at. doesn't matter what we go through, what we deal with. Our God will never leave us or forsake us. So some of us need to hear that today. And the Holy Spirit did a job of encouraging this church and did some things in our worship today. That's the reason I love the important. That's the reason we need to have anointed worship on Sunday. So the Holy Spirit can, can condition the, the area, the church. How many has the Lord helped you here in worship today besides me? I'm telling you, church, we're in there in a season. Hear me when I'm saying this. This is something the Lord showed me the other day. Hold me up and show me this. Look, what, look like what other churches look like. The time that's coming ahead, you're going to look different. But you're going to look like me. You're going to look different. I'm going to send you people that don't look the stereotypical Christian. You know what God told us years ago, Jordan? Remember, he says we're going to have guitarists and drummers. And all that. That's right. Where do you think they're coming from? Yeah. Hey, some of them are still playing at the clubs. Yeah. But you know, it's playing in the clubs and still looking for something real. They'll find it here. Yeah. You know how they're going to find it? For us. God told me this just a few days ago. I'm giving you everything you need to build. You just got to develop it. You got to develop it. You got to spend that time with people. See, ministry happens in real time. A lot of people think, well, I'm just going to church on Wednesdays and Sundays, and that's good. The Bible says, forsake not to send on yourself together. You need to go to church. How many of us know that Jesus? Leads people to the Lord at the coffee shops and on the jobs and at the washeteria. Or getting your tires or your oil changed. Or going to Walmart or at work or at school. He leads people there. I've had opportunities this year to pray with students. I didn't approach one of them to pray with them. And two of my teachers, they came to me. Gina, I didn't press or cry. I was just was who I was. God opened the door for me. Be who you are in Christ Jesus. By all means, make the road of righteousness and wear it with pride. Take the ring of authority and walk in it. You want to get it with humility? Put on the shoes of sonship where you're able to trample on the serpents and the scorpions and the snakes. You only get those shoes. I shared the gospel of peace. Isn't that what it says in Ephesians? Have your feet shod the shoes of the gospel of peace. So what are people looking for now in tumultuous times, church? 
peace. I just want peace. I'm just looking for that moment to find peace. What did Jesus tell his disciples? Peace I leave with you. Peace I give to you. Not as the peace this world gives, but the peace I give to you. We're the answer. The church is still relevant. It's still alive. It's still the answer. To some that may be discouraged today. Something the Lord reminded me of in the prayer room today, this morning. He will do it in the spiritual before he does it in the physical every time. So some of us are praying for answers, and we haven't seen it in the physical yet. But I believe that God gets some of it in the spiritual today. I believe that. And we need to learn to walk Miss Marianne with a spirit of expectancy. I expect God to move in my children. I expect God to save my lost children. I expect God to use me to lead somebody to Christ. I expect the opportunity to be able to share Jesus with somebody. I expect today to be the hands and feet of Christ. I expect God to bless me with a job. I expect God to give me increase. I expect that. I walk with expectancy. I expect God to give us a harvest. Look around. Everybody just look around you for a moment. Stand around. Look around. See this church? See how many people is out today missing? It's not always going to be this way. The people that you've known from the past, there's going to be new coming. I speak that by the authority of the Spirit of God. When the church is the church, there's more people coming. We're the hope. Put your shoes on this morning. Put your shoes on. When you get in the in the presence of God, slip your shoes off. In other words, say, God, you're my father. I honor you. I lay it all down before you. But when you come out of that prayer closet, how many's ever seen the illustration of the little kittens go in the prayer closet? Me when I go in my prayer room and then the lions when they come out. Put your shoes on when you come out of the prayer room. So you can travel over those circles. Let's pray today. Father, we love you. We honor you. You're a good God, Lord. And your Holy Spirit is so real in this place. Help us to walk in the authority that you've given us, Lord. Help us to stand in it and walk therein. Help us to realize that. Everything we have is because you've given it to us, Lord. Every bit of it is because you've given it to us. We're just stewards of it. God, I pray that you would touch your people today. I pray that you would help them. I pray that you would use us. I pray when we're in your presence, we'll slip our shoes off and realize it's you, Lord. That you have all authority under heaven and earth. And I pray that when we come out, God, we slip our shoes back on. Shot with the gospel of the preparation of peace, the gospel of peace that we can show somebody else today what real life looks like, what real hope looks like, what restoration looks like. Lord, we love you. I ask you to be with us today. I ask you to continue to protect this church family. Go before us, make crooked pass straight. Get your angels in guard and camp round about us, Lord, this week. Protect us and keep us. Touch those that are not able to be here today that are sick and struggling. Give them healing in Jesus' mighty name. Lord, we love you. 
we honor you and we praise you. I pray for those today that see some of the sound of my voice. I pray that we surrender it all to you right here. We leave it all with you today. We walk out here free. We walk out of here free in Jesus' name. Oh, God. I pray for those that's battled and, and weathered the attack against their mind this week. I pray right now where the enemies come in like a flood, the Holy Spirit, you will stay. You protect. You go to war. We know you didn't come here to take sides. You come here to take over, God. May we be on the side of the Lord today. May we stand with you, swords drawn, shields raised, ready to quench every fiery dart of the enemy, but ready to go forward in your kingdom. We thank you for it in Jesus' mighty name. And all the church said, Amen. Thank you for joining us at Restoration Church. If you enjoyed this message today, check us out at restorationmokala.com. And for more messages like this, you can listen to us on Spotify under Restoration Church.